0: There we are. All right. We're rocking and rolling. Um shout out to you guys for for joining us here. Today's topic is the 2024 uh top products that you're going to need. And those products are specifically for business owners. Um we are super excited to to be on with you guys and get a chance to to share some of this knowledge um i'm tony Semino, vp of business development here at rock financial i'm joined by greg Amendola, our svp of sales as well as steven rodriguez who's our our director of commercial finance Just to give some some brief background. Um... Greg's been with the company the longest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Greg's like a piece of furniture. Uh no, Greg literally taught us all this business, if I'm if I'm being honest. Um, anybody that joins the, the organization, we're all under his his wing. That's why the title fits so well. Um, and, and Steve is doing the, the same thing for, for us under the commercial side. Um, and, and we'll get more into like secured versus unsecured and and the products and all the different things, but just understand that inside of financing, there's a ton of different products. And we were, I don't want to say scratching the surface prior to to Steve joining us, but uh, we were doing a, a really good job of what we were great at. And Steve brings a whole new dynamic of things for us to be great at. Um, so we're super duper excited. Um, gentlemen, thank you again for for joining me.
1: Thank absolutely you, thanks for having us the host with the most Mr. Tony. <laughs> Indeed. thank you, Tony. unsung hero here i love it I love uh, yes it. thank you everybody for joining um definitely get excited to get on and talk to you guys about what we what it is we do every day what kind of products and programs will fit your clients needs the best or if you're happy to be a business owner in need of financing perhaps we can figure out what uh what vertical fits your your company best so definitely excited to get on and rocking with everybody here um
0: <laughs> ready to rock ready to rock let's, let's do, do it, it. Steve, let's unless do you it. have
2: anything you want to add nah man i'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about in just a couple of minutes yeah All just right, a, a couple slides
0: a here um Wanted to start out with something broad. I, I figured, hey, why do businesses borrow money in the first place? Might be a good place for us to to kind of start our conversation, right? So uh according to the SBA, their average seven A loan size is over half a million dollars. I thought that was pretty staggering. I, I think a lot of people, you know, especially when you think of startup or you think of newer businesses, you think of smaller amounts of money. Um, you think of smaller types of loans, or um, at least I know from what I hear, that's, that's what I typically think. So wanted to share some statistics around it. How do you guys, you know, when it comes to these different reasons why business owners are applying for funding, like I know you guys have been in the industry 20 and, and 15 plus years combined over 35 years, not to make you guys feel old, uh, <laughs> but no, like, like do the, do the numbers make sense? Absolutely.
1: You know um, the, the, the one right up top business expansion, Definitely. Most companies are, are coming to us for expanding their business, uh, creating an opportunity where if they can uh, take financing, make more money with the capital that's deployed to them um, and generate more income and more revenue for themselves and their businesses. That's the, the, the leading reason why they, they come to us, um, especially for the unsecured verticals. Uh, it's a lot of quick access to capital. Funding can be had in as little as 24 hours. So if you're in business, um, you need to take advantage of certain opportunities. You need to pounce on that quickly before that opportunity sails out the window. Um, and the access to quick capital and 42.4% of, of borrowers uh, using unsecured capital um, and other forms of, of financing to expand their businesses. So nail right on the head.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most, the most interesting thing to me with the 7A product is just the quantity of the variety of uses for the proceeds that are available. Um, as you see here, you know, equipment. people often overlook this. They think of, of the SBA product as really, like you said, Tony, a startup, you know, for startup businesses, smaller capital. Um, but, you know, the 7A product on its own, uh, just strictly based on 7A guidelines, goes up to 5 million. So, yeah, I mean, I see that 546 average. I mean, that's very reasonable to, to accept. I mean, it's not hard to believe at all. Um, you know, you can purchase real estate, purchase equipment. As we see here, inventory purchases, startup costs, uh, leasehold uh, build-outs, roll-ups. When I say a roll-up, I mean one business in one industry buying another business in the same industry. Um, Acquisitions is all kinds of uses. And you can cover certain, uh, excuse me, uh, multiple uses of proceeds. So, for example, you can cover equipment, real estate, inventory, payroll expenses, debt consolidation, all under one facility on a 7A loan. So yeah, very, uh, a variety of uses. It's what I refer to as a chameleon when it comes to lending products.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, today's landscape is so dynamic, right? I think it's really just about having a good idea of, of what's out there and what I, What I really notice when just looking down the list of all the reasons, regardless of their percentages, is the positive reasons why business owners borrow money, right? Like expansion, equipment is a a positive thing, right? If you're updating or or buying new equipment, marketing and advertising means you're going after new business, right? These are all things where business owners are not – it's not they're saving for a rainy day right like this is not your emergency fund this is this is hey we have a real opportunity and and we're going to use some funding to take advantage of that opportunity right um you know uh, not to go crazy with you know acronyms and this and that, but OPM, right? Other people's money makes your life a lot easier, right? And it's also less risky for you, which is why, and we'll get into this more when we start talking about some of the products directly and some of the lenders and guidelines that go into it, which is why you have to understand that there is going to be hoops to jump through when you look to borrow money, right? Because the risk isn't on you. You're not using your cash. So the risk is on somebody else. They're going to make sure that that they feel comfortable in lending you that money. So um, let's get down into the nitty gritty here, right? How do I know that I found the right product for my clients? It, it really comes down to two things, right? And Greg, you and I had a chance to, to chat a little bit more than you, Steve, and I bef- before this. And, you know, w- when it comes to borrowing money why are you borrowing is probably the most important thing at least in my opinion no absolutely it it has to make sense to borrow um the
1: why and the reason behind for borrowing financing whether it's secured unsecured uh is that motivating factor Uh, and sometimes in some cases it doesn't make sense right if you're looking to take money from peter to pay paul oftentimes we'll be the first to tell you it's 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 not the the right vehicle if you're looking to, to consolidate personal credit cards Um, where it may not make sense. Uh, But in a lot of cases, it does. And understanding that why and um, the outcome of that, we can properly guide you and and, and walk you into the right product for the business
0: and, and the reason why. Yeah. And Steve, not to not to put you too much on the spot. And again, we're going to go way into the products in just a couple of slides, I promise. Uh, But no, when when it comes to timing, right, like you come to mind for me, because uh, when it comes to some of these commercial deals, when you're talking commercial real estate or, you know, some of these asset back products, the 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 timeline is much longer. Right. So timing is the, like, I don't want to say it's the ultimate factor, because I just said that about why they borrow, but (laughs) it's got to be a big part. Yeah, it's got to be a big part of their plan, correct? Absolutely. I mean, you
2: have, you know, like, to me, when I see when I'm working with a a, a borrower that's really qualified, that really knows uh, what they're doing and setting up the process the right way and and comes in with the right expectations, they're not waiting to the last minute. Right, they're, they're setting themselves up. So, if we're looking at a commercial real estate transaction, the obje- again, starting with the objective, why are you borrowing? Coming back to Greg's point, that's question number one. There's never a time where a lender on the commercial side of what we do, and again, that's commercial real estate, SBA, ABL, that's asset based lending, structured debt, equipment. What uh, the, the why is always the first question. What's the objective? The timing is just as important because obviously if we're working on a commercial real estate transaction, there's always an appraisal that's involved. Uh, an appraisal on a commercial uh, p- a piece of commercial real estate can take four to five weeks in some cases, sometimes even longer. Um, our borrower has to come in with the, the understanding that this is going to be a little bit of a process. We There's nothing that we can do about that. We can't overcome the timeline to, to obtain that appraisal. And again, that's a necessary part of the transaction, a necessary part of the underwriting process. So when we're dealing with the borrower and they come in and they say, "Hey, we got to close next week on a commercial real estate transaction." <laughs> you know, realistically, yeah. we know that's not the right fit. You know, we we need a runway to work with. Uh for certain types of transactions, there's no way around that.
0: And, and- that's not to say that there isn't a path because I see one of the questions is, is like, how do I get, you know, funding within 24 hours? That doesn't mean that there isn't a path for business owners to get access to funding. Greg, you said something yesterday in our sales meeting. I I need you to remember what you said. You said cheap money is not quick. And quick money is not cheap. And and that's really what it's going to come down to, right? Like the, the faster turn time, the, the less underwriting, it's not that the, the, the lender's not looking to get paid back that's why they're there they're there to get paid back the the reason that they're going to do that though is because there's more risk so therefore there's going to be more uh, of a cost to that right and, and i guess if you're the lender you could call that a reward but it's just as risky right Absolutely. so all all the interest rate is just so we're on the same page guys is the lender's ability to offset default that's right, right? like it, it yes there's certain margin in there so they can exist and lend you the money but most of that it has to do with the fact that not everybody pays these loans back, right? Right. So there's a certain percent of what you're paying is is for that risk, right? So what to know before we get started is the risk factors, right? And we got a bunch of them listed here and there's certainly more, right? Like one of the things I want you to, to understand when it comes to lending is you have to check all the boxes, Right. Uh, Underwriters look at a situation black and white. You either check the box or you don't. And sometimes it's better to not check the box so that you don't check that box. But we'll go into that when we talk more about the products. But I just want to I know we talked a little bit about use of funds and why somebody borrows. Right. Uh, Obviously, timing of of them taking the funding. But what else sticks out to you guys in terms of of the risk factors that go into, hey, I'm a a lender looking at this deal, like like that's really what I I, I kind of want to get to is, is providing that scope back to to our partners today. More of like, hey, what are our lenders looking at, right? And and why does that matter to them? So like, what what sticks out to you guys here? I'll go first for
1: for me, um, and especially in my verticals that I've built my career off of, is, is going to be the revenue and and time in business, right? Uh, a company that might have five years in business is potentially going to qualify for a higher dollar amount and a longer term than a business that might only be open six months or, or 12 months uh, there's more of a history there with a longer time in business uh, and the revenues right that has the cash flow especially if we're talking about unsecured financing or financing that's based on the revenue of an existing business that has the cash flow um, and the payment structure you know the revenues and the cash flow has to prove that it can sustain that payment um, over that. Twelve month, eighteen month, twenty four month term. That's that's being approved.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I would uh, for on 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 the commercial side because we deal with a variety of verticals. Each one of these categories are significant <laughs> in a variety of ways, depending on the vertical that we're going with. So, for example, we're looking at an SBA loan, right? We're not so it's it's less concerned is le- for most SBA loans, many SBA loans it's less of a concern with collateral. It's more about cash flow credit business credit use of proceeds all right profitability and cash flow also part of revenue let's say the business has to be profitable in order to satisfy what we refer to as the debt service coverage ratio which is um if if anyone's familiar with consumer lending that's kind of like synonymous with debt to income ratio if you apply for a mortgage or if you've applied for a consumer loan Uh, They refer to it as a debt to income ratio, exactly what it sounds like, debt in comparison to income. Uh, In this case, the equation for a debt service coverage ratio, uh, the uh, calculation or the equation is just inverted. Instead of it being debt over income, it's income over debt. And when we say income, we refer to EBITDA. So all of that is significant when we're talking about an SBA loan. On the other types of loans, uh, commercial real estate, asset-based lending, structured debt and equipment, yes, credit is important. Industry, of course, is important. Geography, when we're talking about commercial real estate lending, anything that's more rural is going to be a more rural location is going to be much more difficult for us to work with and and find funding options for in comparison to a property that's located in a city center or the suburban area. So population, zip, zip code population plays a role as well. Um, time in business, another critical factor. You know, certainly a business that's been in place five plus years, they have the ability to potentially qualify for corporate credit only, a corporate guarantee only, with no personal guarantee. If it's a newer business, almost undoubtedly, a personal guarantee is going to require, uh, be required. Um, but yeah, all of these factors play a role. And as we said, use of proceeds. Number one question, what are the funds going to be used for? Does it make sense? Does it help to improve the business? Uh, how will it improve the business? How does it affect the future projections? All of that plays a role. And again, it just depends on the vertical.
0: No, it, it's, I love what you said, Steve, because it really is going to be a mixture of all of this. Um, And I'm even aware of one we missed, right? Like one of the ones that's not on here, because like I said earlier is, you know, this is, this is us just scratching the surface, but one of the ones that we missed was debt. Right. Like it, we're not even talking about, hey, is there existing debt on the business? If we're talking real estate, yeah. what is the the existing debt on the real estate? Because let's face it, most people don't own their real estate outright. Right. That's there's right. some form of a lien on that property, even if it's been paid for the last 15 years. There's probably still five or 10 years of payments left. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's definitely um a, a a variety of what's gonna go on with every single opportunity that you come across. And that's really what this slide was all about, was getting you to realize that, hey, it's not about any of these one things, not one thing is not more important than the other, yes. Why they're borrowing and them being able to afford the money are obviously two of the most glaring things, but don't get caught by one of these things that might be in the peripheral that will honestly kill your deal. Like if if we're really getting down to it. Right. Yeah, you know? we
2: got to look at the big picture. And I think that like to that point, debt load, right? And another way to say that is available equity in the business. If yep. we're looking at an ABL or a structured debt deal, and by the way, all a structured debt deal is all that means is. Whereas ABL, we're potentially looking at one asset class like accounts receivables or inventory, for example. Structured debt will leverage multiple asset classes on one credit facility. So for example, rather than just looking at AR or inventory as isolated asset classes, we'll combine their values, fixed assets, equipment. We can combine all those asset values potentially on one facility. However, if the balance sheet is showing negative equity meaning there's more debt secured by those assets than there are than there is asset value there really aren't going to be any options for us there we'll have very limited availability in that case we're potentially more so looking at a cash flow based loan
0: exactly and that oh that brings us to the top products right what are the top products first thing we got to do is put them into their their respective categories right um I look at it like weight classes, right? You you don't you don't put the heavyweight in the in the ring with the featherweight, right? Um and, and that's like that exact that's exactly what you have here, right? You're you're comparing apples and oranges if you do that. Like I have to be honest, right? So secured lending or asset based or what we're talking about there is lending where the business has to pledge their asset as a guarantee that the loan will perform correct, Steve? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. In the the lamest terms possible, like like secured lending means, hey, I have some value in this and I'm willing to pledge that. I'm so confident that I'm going to pay this loan back that I'll put up these assets. Certainly.
2: Yeah. Because it's a a blanket of security for the lender, right? If the loan doesn't perform, if the borrower goes into default, then the lender, it's understood that the lender is recuperating that asset and liquidating that asset in order to attempt to make themselves
0: whole on the on the non-performing loan and then when you have a secured lending which has been around much longer then you get unsecured lending and unsecured lending means we're not tying it to any one specific asset What it's actually going to be based on is simply the revenue inside of the business and how much money the cash flow of that business can afford. And those are typically structured on way different terms. The rates look different. So different that they're expressed. One's an APR. One is expressed as what's called a factor rate. So there's there's a lot that goes into this. And we'll go into the, the products more now. Um, but Greg, starting on the unsecured side, this year in 2024, we got term loans, lines of credit, and, and revenue-based financing. Tell me more uh, about those products.
1: Sure. So term loans um, is, is one of the most popular products again, these, these three forms of financing are going to be based on the revenues and the cash flow ability of, of that business.
0: So what does that, what does that actually mean? Give me, give me an example. So
1: a quick example of that would be, uh, qualifying a business owner anywhere between 10 to to 15% of their gross annual revenues, what they're showing in deposits, what they're, they're, they're depositing to the bank account. And then, um, being able to service that debt with the cash flow or the ledger balances or the the, the capital that they're keeping into that bank account
0: and what are typical terms on, on on unsecured products
1: unsecured you can see anywhere between as short as as four or six month terms all the way out to 24 and even 36 month options as well for for unsecured term loan
0: products awesome and, and now any any restrictions here like like who can't get get one of these loans like like even even any of them like like industry wise like um pretty much
1: very very open the only real restricted industries are going to be certain vice industries um where we are limited with with used auto sales uh, unless you are a uh dealership or a branded dealership um that's generating about five hundred thousand a month or or higher uh but most industries are are wide open if you can qualify uh with time and business the the proper revenue requirements annually um and what you're looking to ultimately get accomplished for the business and what product could make the most sense
0: bare bones minimum what are the the guardrails of revenue and time in business to qualify for one of these products to qualify for any one of these three bare products. bones minimum bare bones
1: minimum six months time in business and a 500 fico score
0: and a 500 fico score how much revenue ten thousand
1: a month in revenue being
0: deposited to a business checking account business checking account make sure we we, we double down on that one um what makes a, a line of credit and term loan different than than maybe revenue-based financing? Great question. So we, we get this
1: question asked a lot, and a lot of people come through the door wanting a line of credit uh, for the business. So bare bones, the difference between the two, one is an open-ended financing transaction. The other is a closed-ended financing transaction. So a term loan has defined terms, whether it be 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, you have a start period and an end period when that transaction is complete on a, on a line of credit that's open-ended. Uh, so you might have a, a line of credit, um, and you can use that line of credit and grow your business for the next five years, 10 years to come. So long as you keep it open and it remains in good standing. And, and you just got to use
0: it, right? You just got to uh, use it <laughs> Line, of, gotta credit. Use it. Use line it of credit
1: appropriately and responsibly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A line of credit, I use it, don't abuse it. That that's my best piece of advice. Um, and if you are, somebody like, Hey, am I going with a loan or a line? The The best way to decide that is how quickly can you pay it back? Exactly. Um, because a line of credit is cheap if you pay it back quickly, but more expensive if you wait the full term to pay it back. Whereas a term loan is going to keep your payment a, a little bit smaller, uh, but it's going to stretch you out over a, a longer term. Right. So absolutely. You, you know, you definitely want to understand how am I using the money and also what is my, my plan, my plan for payback Um, and, and not to get too much payback, but Steve, you're up now, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, as far as the top products in in the secured world, right? And again, guys, that's asset based borrowing for, for business owners, right? Um, they're either purchasing an asset or leveraging an asset within their business. Um, you know, accounts receivable, equipment financing, commercial real estate, like, it's, pretty similar to that list of the use of funds that we, we saw earlier, right? Like, yeah. so those are just two things pretty lining up right there. Give me a little bit of uh, insight on some of these products, Steve.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so these are, these are, I would go
0: just to give you some advice, start from the bottom up because commercial real estate is going to, going to kind of encompass the most, yeah. yeah. you know, maybe we start with the accounts receivable. <laughs> so,
2: so typically accounts receivable is going to have two main options. Uh, one is transactional, where we're looking at each receivable individually and funding um, what we would call like AR financing or factoring, funding funding uh, an advance rate on the receivable value uh, at the that basically at the time that the receivable is issued to from the our borrower to their customer. So, for example, let's say um, let's say we have a a, a business that's providing that uh, that distributes consumer goods. And they issue a receivable to one of their customers that's purchasing—I don't know—purchasing widgets, and uh, that receivable is $100,000. Based on the credit of the customer, the credit of our borrower, their typical uh, financing uh, capacity, what their with their uh, balance sheet and what their uh, P&L looks like, we'll let we'll leverage or advance anywhere to 80 to 85% of that receivable value. So if it's $100,000, we will advance them 80 to 85,000. Uh, once the receivable is due to be paid by the customer, we our lender will then uh, fund the remaining balance less whatever the interest charge is. So, um, you know, let's say the interest charge is one and a half percent. In this case, that's fifteen hundred dollars on that hundred thousand. the The borrower's already been advanced eighty five thousand. If it was at an eighty five percent advance rate, when the receivable is paid by the customer, they get the difference. That's thirteen five. Again, our our lender keeps fifteen hundred as their profit. And then if they want to re-up and then fund another round of their receivables, when that next receivable comes in, it's due, um, you know, that, that receivables not been issued by our customer to their vent and to their, excuse me, by our borrower to their customer, uh, then they can go ahead and get another advance on that next round. And they can continue on a transactional basis as receivables are issued to their customers. Another way to do it is with an ABL line of credit, where if they are typically carrying a certain amount of receivables on their balance sheet. Uh, we'll deduct the uh, payables balance from it. So let's say they're carrying 5 million in average receivables. They're carrying anywhere from a million to 2 million in payables. We deduct that payables amount from the receivables value. And then we'll lend on a portion, typically 80, potentially 85%. Again, depending on the credit, depending on the specifics um, against that difference. So if there's a $3 million difference, we can establish a line for you know two and a half, Two point seven million, somewhere in that range, um, and again, that's the line of credit they can draw off of and pay down on as they choose to. So it's as as Greg noted with the line of credit, the unsecured side. This is the same thing, only that it's secured specifically by the receivables. Um, and again, as they uh, as they use the the line of credit, they accrue interest on it.
0: And before I let you continue down the products, one of the things that I want to point out about accounts receivable specifically is you have to be a B2B business, right? I I know that, you know, I'm not going to go into an accounting lesson here, right? But the only time that you would have accounts receivable is if you are billing your customers, right? So, hey, I completed the work. The work is done. Right. Think about it like going to buy a pizza at your local pizzeria when they finish that pizza and put it in the box. You have to pay them before they hand the box over the counter. Right. In this case with accounts receivable, they would hand you the pizza as soon as you walked in and 30 days later, you would come back and pay for that pizza or 60 days or 90 days later, you would come back and pay for that pizza. So what's actually super duper important with these deals isn't just the business that's borrowing the money, but actually their customers, right? Because it's their customers that are also going to be underwritten. If your customers don't pay their bills, nobody is going to lend money against those receivables. Um, so typically where where you see small businesses taking advantage of accounts receivable financing is when they work with large businesses, right? You'll see them shipping for Amazon or or for Target or, or Walmart, right? They're in the transportation industry. Maybe they're doing staffing for, you know, hospitals. Um, New York, we're gigantic with Northwell Health that they own so many hospitals right like like there there's some sort of major corporation maybe even a few major corporations that make up their customer base that when a accounts receivable lender looks at those customers, because one of the documents that's going to be required is a customer list, they're going to basically say, hey, are they known for paying their bills? And if they are, then we will, like Steve mentioned, advance you up to 80, 85% of how much money you're making. And once they pay the bill, we'll even give you some more money, right? So how business owners can account for this, and I've seen this time and time again, is they'll adjust their prices, right? If they know that the the rate of advance is only going to be, you know, six, seven, eight percent, and their customers pay their bills on time because they've they've dealt with them as long as they have, they'll just mark the product up ten percent, and now that that cost is in is in incurred by the business owner, right? Not to go too too far into that one product. One thing about today's presentation, guys, and Greg and I agreed on this yesterday. Every one of these slides could be its own oh yeah, its own topic, Certainly. its own webinar, its own series. So like we could really, really keep going on these things. But I just thought it was important to point out how important those customers are and that this is strictly for B2B borrowers.
2: Right. Excellent. That's all, all valid points there. That's exactly right, Tony. Um, on the equipment financing side. So it's exactly what it sounds like right now. It's secured. The loan is secure. The lease is secured. It's secured by whatever the specific um, unit of equipment is. It could be a truck. It could be uh, manufacturing equipment. It could be assembly line equipment. It could be materials handling, materials, packaging, uh, a crane, construction equipment, whatever the case is, all that type of equipment can be financed and leveraged. Uh, We can do it most commonly it's on a purchase or an acquisition. So let's say, um, you know, a, a, a company that uh, manufactures that does manufacturing of some sort, and they have some sort of assembly line equipment that they use. Um, they're looking to replace old units with new ones. They'll come in, they'll secure a, a, an invoice from whatever vendor vendor they're looking to work with or acquire the equipment from. Provide us with a copy. Uh, we review certain information. Typically, it's broken up with equipment financing. There's two categories. Typically, up to two hundred and fifty thousand. There's one category where you know we're looking at primarily bank statements and credit, uh, above 250,000, uh, when I say bank statements and credit, as that's as well as the uh, asset itself, the specific yes. piece of equipment. Um, conversely, if we're looking at uh, t- uh, north of 250,000, it's more of a full financial review that's typically required, full, full documentation, tax returns, uh, last several years of financials, full schedule. We really wanna get into everything when we look at the debt schedule, and uh, make sure that, that that borrower can qualify and satisfy the the debt service coverage ratio required to to repay that obligation. Um, but yeah, that's secured by all secured by equipment. Uh, it's isolated to that specific asset. It's not bleeding into any other asset classes yep. that that are owned by Why is that a Business
0: owner? Why is that
2: important? Oh, that's so that's significant. <laughs> that is tremendous. It's so overlooked. It's, I can't tell you. So like when I'm looking at a balance sheet, right, and I see debt on the balance sheet. Um, and I'm it, comparing it to the asset classes that, that are also listed on the balance sheet. What I'm trying to figure out is what assets are leveraged by what liabilities because I want to find an opening, right? Like, so if I, if I see that a borrower has numerous units of equipment and has multiple equipment loans and each one of those loans is isolated to a specific unit of equipment, they also carry AR and inventory with no debt secured by the, those two asset classes, the AR and the inventory. I know that I have an opening to provide working capital or whatever additional funding using those specific asset classes where the the debt associated with the equipment is not going to bleed into that potential financing structure.
0: And it's, it's just as important in reverse too because – if you're somebody that then needs to go buy equipment and you've tied up all your other assets right and you have no cash flow because all your other assets are tied up and you're paying back loans on the other on the other assets it's going to be that much more difficult for That's you right. to go out and get access to the funding right so it's it works in both directions um it keeps the the money classified where it needs to be classified but the the purpose of borrowing is also serviced by the type of financing that that you take so that allows for like steve was talking about the liabilities and the assets to line up on the balance sheet
2: that's right yeah i mean so like for example just to, to take that one step further like one of the things that's often overlooked with sba financing and, and one quick note on this sba financing absolutely has its place it has its purpose but one of the downsides is that it is a they do they do issue those lenders do issue a general ucc one blanket it's, and it blankets all the asset classes.
0: So it's if like that, a king size blanket.
2: That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It covers everything. So if, if that borrower has, um, you know, value equity in in multiple asset classes, they're not going to be able to leverage those other asset classes. Should they take an SBA loan down, you know, down the line, they need to more capital. The only way to secure it will be to either get the SBA to subordinate that loan or issue a carve out so that the specific asset class is opened up and becomes available on the balance sheet and and it's not no longer secured by the debt which is not common the sba does not like to do that um and so good luck getting that i was gonna
0: say america doesn't come in second place
2: (laughs) well alternatively we'll have to take out that sba loan through the new financing
0: which is the toughest which and and i've seen that time and time again where where somebody comes in and they're over asset protected on on a deal and Absolutely. that that hurts us as we try to come in and do something you know uh something to solve whatever need is right now. Yeah. Um commercial real estate I think this is one everybody's probably been waiting for us to get to. Yeah. Um again cast the the broadest net. Give me your your top two maybe three uses uh, of commercial real estate this year um i know you you keep up on all the markets on all the rates and all the terms like like where do you see is it investors is it multifamily? like where where do you see uh commercial real estate coming in this year
2: all right so a couple couple of key points here so Um. That what what so within commercial real estate financing, there's typically several uses of proceeds. Just right off the cusp, right? So it's typically purchase. So acquiring a new property, or you know, a a a property that's been. I'm gonna say new property. I don't mean new construction, but I mean a property that you didn't own before.
1: New to you. New
2: to you. New to you. Right. (laughs) So you're purchasing that property for the first time. You're utilizing um, lender proceeds to make that acquisition. you own the property currently. Another another way to do it. Another uh, you own the property currently. Um, you're just looking to <laughs> reduce the rate, or lengthen the term, or shorten the term, or whatever it is. That's called a rate and term refi. You're not taking any equity off the top of the, the existing loan balance. So you owe you owe a million. You're going to pay the closing costs through the equity of the loan, but you're not taking anything over that. Um, so you might come out of that with a you know new loan amount of you know one point one million, for example. Uh, another way to do it is ca- a cash out refi. So exactly what it sounds like. You have a, a $5 million property, but you only own a, owe a million. You can tap into that equity for other uses. You can buy other properties. Uh, you can consolidate debt. You can expand that building. Uh, you can hire new staff, whatever, whatever it is. So, so there's a, a multitude of different options or uses of proceeds, new construction is another way to go. Rehabilitation, meaning you're, you're taking the existing property and you're rehabbing it, reconditioning it, renovating it, whatever However, you want to term that, it's all synonymous. Um, when we get into different property types on commercial real estate, you know, so for example, like Tony brought up multifamily, right? So that's t- multifamily is typically an investment property. Uh, the available uses of proceeds that the lender will allow if it's a cash out refi uh, is going to differ from an owner-occupied property. Owner-occupied means you have a business, you're operating your business in that building, you run your business out of that location. So, you know, typically on an investment property, the lender will undoubtedly allow you to tap into that equity so that you can make other investments. You can potentially go by, they know you're an investor, you have a schedule of real estate, you have multiple properties. They know this is your thing. This is what you do. You're experienced with it. You're probably going to be able to take that equity cash out on it and roll it into another property that's going to produce more revenue for you or increase your asset value Uh, if it's owner occupied it might be more the requirements depending on the lender might might be more specific to the nature of you operating your business Mm -hmm. so are you looking to hire new staff are you looking to renovate the interior of the building are you expanding it so that you can bring on more staff uh, things of that nature. It's going to be more direct to the day-to-day operations and long-term goals and objectives for that, that specific business that you're operating.
0: Awesome. And just before we go any further, this makes me think of, of something we've definitely ran into, Greg and I, um, working together as long as we have. And that's when you are, are borrowing this money, right? And you are looking to do something in your business, right? And Steve just kind of reminded me of this when you when you talk owner occupied, like you can't be a uh, a gym that you're you're going to buy the building that you're in and then level your gym and try to put in a a manufacturing plant. Like the the lenders don't want to hear that right they want it to be um similar to like equipment financing they say you know it has to be uh business use equipment right it has to be useful to that business the same thing with real estate or, or cash in your business it has to be applicable to that business to that transaction now if you're a real estate wholesaler like steve was talking about that person is flipping and fixing properties or buying and holding properties like that's the nature of their business that tells the story but you know, I don't know which one of you said it before, but paint the picture. This thing can't be painted like my my three and a half year old's finger paints. It's yeah. got to be like a Picasso. Right. It, it really does. You have to have all the fine detail of the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> you know, like and if you do that, that's what gets these deals done. Right. Like, let's face it. People want to lend money. Our society, you know, it it, it, it comes from that it's the fabric of what we do. It's capitalism,
2: capitalism at, at its best
0: at its final So you know you're just leveraging the tools that are out there. Now you can either be a novice or a pro and you don't have to be a pro in today's day and age. The good news is is we're here to help, right? Um, we do have one special category left and I hope you guys don't mind. I did pull this one out from secured and unsecured because technically the SBA is both. Right. And we don't even have the 504 up here because that would fall more into Steve's category of of strictly being on the the commercial side. But the SBA itself, what it is, is it is a government backed loan. What does that do? That means that the bank themselves is not on the hook for the entire loan itself. Um, Now, how much the SBA guarantee has changed over the past few years. I've seen it as high as 90%. I've seen it as low as 60%. I believe right now it's at 70%. You could find out though, we have the internet. Um, (laughs) But what I'm getting at is when the SBA has a certain portion of that loan that is guaranteed by the government, that means when the bank writes the note, they're technically not on the hook. Let's call it 70% guarantee. They write a million dollar loan today. You default tomorrow. That only costs the bank $300,000. So that's a big advantage if you're at the bank. What does that do that protects your investment? Remember, we talked about risk factors before, right? Nothing is going to look at more risk factors. I mean, Steve, you might know of loans and, and products that will get more in the weeds than the SBA, but the SBA, what you need to realize is you have to satisfy the SBA and you have to satisfy the lender. Right, so that's why that's right. I separated the category. Figured it was a good a, a good time to to shed some light because the SBAs expanded over the past few years. You oh, have yeah. the express, you have the micro. What are the differences, guys? Sure, Steve, take it so, away. You got it. So, <laughs> so the
2: micro the micro is going to cap at fifty thousand. Right, it's a faster, much faster option. By the way, Tony, well, very well explained. Appreciate, and, it. and I, I mean. The major key, I think that uh, Tony, before I even just break down these products, the major key that I think Tony hit on, um, you know, just relative to the SBAs, SBA is almost like an insurance policy for the lender, yes. right? So if the borrower defaults, the lender's not on their own. They're not taking that default and that that uh, non-performing asset, the value of that non-performing asset entirely on the chin. That There's a shared exposure between them and the SBA. Uh, that's the idea anyway um with that being said so the the, the products that you have available so the, on the micro loan you're typically going up to fifty thousand, seven hundred 700 plus fico required not really breaking this not really doing a full underwriting review where they're breaking into financials uh it's really primarily credit driven if it's a startup it's really business uh, business plan driven as well in addition to the credit criteria personal credit criteria um, experience, industry experience driven. Uh, if you're a business that's established a little bit, you know, they're going to look at the pay net score. Uh, but typically the micro loan is is geared towards newer businesses, startup businesses, uh, businesses with short, you know, shorter time in place. Um, the seven a express is going to go or boost is going to go up to uh, 500,000. There is a sub product within that. That's the fast track that goes up to 150. uh, more streamlined comparatively to the full seven, a product, a little less documentation, a little less of an intensive underwrite Um, still still, intensive not 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 <laughs> not for the for the faint of heart that's no. for sure SBA applications are not for the faint of heart I'll just say it that way there's no. a lot of documentation that you better
0: required. be organized you oh, better yeah. be organized Absolutely. Absolutely. you know uh, and you you better be prepared for multiple rounds of documentation
1: undoubtedly yeah and undoubtedly. some people
0: may not know too the 7a
1: express was just increased to 500,000 it was 350,000 for a lot of years so that was something new that that had changed and increased from 2023 still to this day. That's yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. So the, the 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 uh fast track product requires a six seventy five FICO minimum. Um uh the express is usually floats around six sixty. There's tiers with the express again go that one goes up to five hundred thousand. Um the big difference is so like on a on a uh fast track loan when we're looking at the last filed tax return, the last filed corporate return. They have to show at least a dollar in profitability for the, to qualify for fast track. Again, that goes up to 150K. Um, if, if we're going to look at the EBITDA, but no, no matter what, they're not going to qualify if they showed a loss. On the express product, they can show a loss, but then we're going to calculate the debt service coverage ratio to qualify them using their EBITDA calculation. So, a little minor difference. We can show a loss on up to 500 going up to 500K and still qualify them using the debt service coverage ratio as long as the EBITDA is there uh, versus on the, the 150K up to 150K product for the fast track, m- mandatory requirement to show at least a dollar in profit. On the 7A loan, that goes up to 5 million. Uh, that's And that's, by the way, that's just standard base SBA. I've done higher loan amounts on the SBA 7A product with a peri pursue. Uh, deal structure, what that means is the conventional bank that's participating on the, on the loan, they will also kick in additional funding above the $5 million range. So for example, let's say you have a $10 million purchase on a piece of real estate and the the borrower wants to go 7A, um, the, the SBA product will cover the first 5 million. And then, you know, we'll go to maybe, let's say 85 LTV cap, maybe 80, depending on the specifics of the deal, um, Whether the conventional lender, the bank, will actually kick in the difference—the three million dollar difference—and uh, the borrower's in equity injection. In that case, in this example, would be two million. So, yeah, you can go higher on seven A loans um, above five million. It just requires a bit more of an underwrite, and it's that 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 Peripassu structure is actually set up as a second position note behind the first position SBA loan. Well, it was actually structured as two loans.
0: you uh, you brought up a couple of things in there that I just want to touch on really quick. First, Greg, I'm going to tap you in on this one. um profitability, right? Uh, Steve was just mentioning you have to be profitable um on the you fast know, track yeah. on the fast track. And even some of the other SBA products, they're they're more traditional like that, right? Where you know, um good credit probably won't cut it. You need great credit. Um, you know, you need a uh, profitability or, or a profitable business. And what that means is you probably have to be around for multiple years, right? I would say 99% of businesses probably don't claim profitability in their first year. Uh, there's a lot of expense that goes into starting a business, Certainly. right? So they're going to take advantage of that first year. Um, and then how many people like to pay taxes to Uncle Sam, right? So like, you know, a lot of people are going to be advised. Certainly. Advised to not show profitability. Definitely. Right. So some of these products are going to just not be on the table. Are, are there other products that don't necessarily? Absolutely. You bet your
1: bottom dollar. So a lot of the <clears throat> unsecured, the other half of this presentation that we talked about, lines of credit, working capital, and term loans, um, a lot of them don't need to show financials, uh, tax returns, personal tax returns, debt schedules, forecastings um pro formas, any of that kind of thing typically personal
0: financial statements. personal
1: financial statements yes thank you the the really the essence of it is the cash flow and the revenues that business is generating and what we would need is simply an application and the most recent four to six months of business bank statements in order to qualify Um, And that's pretty common for up to 250,000. A lot of lenders these days aren't going to need for up to that 250 uh, tax returns or financials to continue an underwrite. So a lot of the times up to 250,000, an application and four to six months of bank statements is all we'll typically need to issue
0: an approval uh, and look to get that borrower funded very quickly. Driver's license, voided check, signed agreement, we're out. That's (laughs) it. (laughs) But I mean it's like we said before right it comes
2: back to this point there's a premium for speed absolutely right? so yeah it's, it there's more risk on the lender it's faster it's con- more convenient you're not going to get into the arduous heavy, heavy list of a of a heavy lift of a stringent underwrite like an SBA loan or an ABL or a structured certainly like a stru- structured debt deal uh, but you don't expect to come in and secure, you know, a, a prime interest rate on a, <laughs> on an advance because, you know, again, the lender is taking that risk, but not by not asking for a full view, a full view of the entire financial picture, they're leaving stones unturned and they're
1: recuperating uh, uh, that potential risk by trying try, uh, charging a higher interest rate. And, and oftentimes too. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll run into situations where borrowers might come in through the door and and Tony, we've seen this plenty of times where they do need access to very quick capital because they have a major project coming up, and they need to work on certain financials, or they just need a quick round of capital in order to qualify for that senior debt or that bigger picture financing option. Right? That's where really the use of funds, uh, the opportunity, uh, and what the borrower is looking to do, what their objective is, can really come into play to be able to take advantage of that opportunity quick, take advantage of of. of Quick capital, uh, while working on a big picture or long-term financing solution on the back end, kind of where where the the best of both worlds collide in the sense where you know they we, they can look to get something very quickly in the unsecured market uh, and bridge them into something longer term, bigger picture,
0: uh, final solution style of of product. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the the one beauty is none of this is covers it all right um they all have their own own area of right. where they they should be applied and and, and used but borrowers are going to come in with a variety of needs like Greg just mentioned, and, and potentially we could be talking about two, three, five deals. I, I, I've heard Steve after getting off a call where you know there, there's two or three pieces we're going to do in the next 30 days. But if we start talking about what six months or 12 months looks like down the line for that borrower, we could be talking about five or six different loans. Absolutely. Different products, you know, a couple pieces of equipment, getting them a line of credit to keep that that part of the business going. But then we're going to look at some some secured, uh, you know, uh, commercial real estate or they're buying out a partner or they got something going on. Right. Uh, you know, business owners uh, usually have multiple things going on right. and a lot of them have multiple businesses, not to go too, too far into the SBA, but. The SBA will let you borrow money per guarantor. What that means is you are the person guaranteeing up to five five million dollars on that deal. So, like when Steve was talking about going above and beyond the five million dollars on the SBA before, that's per guarantor. That's per person. With the SBA, anybody that's over twenty percent ownership on a deal, I mean, on a on a business, is going to have to be listed on that deal. So you would have to know, hey, does my business partner have four million dollars in SBA financing that I don't know about. And that could affect your SBA loan. So it, it really comes down to, hey, there's a wide variety of products. The products will always be there. But how you leverage them is is what changes, right? Rates and terms will change. Um, but what won't change is the fact that business owners are going to borrow money. Um, how to be prepared and, and what to really expect. Understand that a lot of people talk about this approval right? Everybody wants to talk about getting you approved or pre-approved or approved, right? Or I approved this much or that much. One of the funniest things I'm seeing on social media right now is people talking about approvals. Like I don't care about approvals. Uh, Approvals don't matter. It's fundings that matter, right? Right. Getting the dollars into the hands of the people that can use the money is what actually matters, right? So, In order to do that, you do have to work it backwards. Your application needs to be stellar one of the things that we really pride ourselves in is not moving too quickly through that step of the process. We will take time to dot I's and cross T's. And Steve has a great term for it. It's called deal structuring, right? A- and make sure that when you are approaching the lender, you're putting your best foot forward. Um, you know, it's not just putting a foot forward. That's not what this is about. It's not one foot in front of the other. It's about, Hey, I'm going to put my best foot forward because I might only have one shot at applying for this, you know, and, 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 timing is of the essence right we talked about that before so um when it comes to the the application process all of them are different right when it comes to the approval to funding process it's different for every business owner right um that's where it really comes down to them to be honest um you know we move at the pace of the borrower a, a lot of the time right um obviously there'll be some title searches and things like that on, on some of these other deals. But um, you know, it, it really is that like, we're not going to hold the deal up very much. If you're somebody that you're able to to get us what we need as quickly as we need it um, you know, uh, these deals move quickly, you know, and you can be talking about a lot of money and leveraging a lot into your business very quickly. Um, as far as the whole picture goes, Greg, Give me one, not Greg's final thought, because we're not quite there yet, but give me one thing that kind of comes to mind for you when, when being prepared for borrowing and and what they, you know, what a borrower should expect. Just one thing, huh? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Pick two. Pick two. So I would
1: say, you know, to be prepared, right? Um, You want to be ahead of the game, right? And what I mean by that is you almost want to apply when you don't need it. Right. Uh, all too often on the unsecured side, we often see borrowers who maybe are waiting a little bit too long before they want to reach out for help or, or take advantage of some financing opportunities. And the revenues might be down a bit. Maybe they've incurred some challenges or they've leveraged their personal credit to the point where it's it's come down considerably. And that would affect the, the overall approval on the back end. Um, so you want to kind of get ahead of that curve. Uh, the other thing i'd like to mention and and we talked about this in the beginning of of the uh today's topics of what your use of funds are right what what are you using the money for what does that look like painting that picture underwriters and and lenders and banks are looking at black and white on bank statements financials tax returns um so they're, they're they're checking boxes and we really need to know in order to help your client the best or, or help a business owner the best, what is that business? What are their use of funds? What are their opportunities? What are their margins? What is their plan to, to turn around the financing and, and create more opportunity for themselves? And knowing that and conveying that opportunity over to underwriting uh, can, help, <clears throat> excuse me, can help a tremendous amount because that's telling the part of the story that the bank statement is not or that those financials or tax returns are not and giving it that human element.
0: No, absolutely. And Steve, I'll ask you the same question. You know, if you only had to, you know, give one or two tips uh, being prepared to borrow and and what to expect, what would they be?
2: Yeah. So on, on the, you know, the, the secured products, SBA, um, you know, the larger equipment transactions, be ready for a process. Be ready for, you know, four, six, eight weeks. Easy. Um, there's going to be multiple rounds of of requests for documentations. There's 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 going to be uh, a lot of Q and A, a lot of questions that are going to come from underwriting. They're, they dig in. I mean, ABL <laughs> and structured debt, commercial, certain commercial real estate transactions. Um, you know, they they really get into all the little details, the nitty gritty, uh, really understanding how the cash flow works and. You know where those funds are going. They really want to break every little thing down, because um, look, they don't want to be caught. Look, look, we get it, right? So, a bar was looking to, to borrow multiple, several million dollars. Uh, you know, that's not a small chunk of change, right? Our lender really needs to make sure that they're comfortable getting behind the loan and get and lending those funds. Uh, that they they know our customer, that they understand their finances, they understand the assets, and um, you know that that there's there's nothing that's hidden from them. And the other part of it that I would say, I would add to this. Don't think we're hiding anything from them. We're not, they (laughs) figure it out. This is, this is something that they, they, once they start getting into it, they're, they're they're going to, there's something that, that we're trying to keep from them. Be rest assured. They're probably going to figure it out. So I typically for me, I lead with the bad. Yeah. I lead, I come right out and I tell them what the bad is. And I, then I try to overcome it with positives. Um, If the lender's not comfortable with the bad right out of the gate, you know what? We save some time on to the next. We're going to We're going to keep working until we potentially find the
0: right match. I love that. Not to make this a, a sales or psychology call, but when you use the term, but it's stated that people will only listen to what comes after the "but," Right. So if you lead with the bad and then, but this is what they're trying to do with the money. You got a much better shot, right? Especially if when what you're applying for is what that lender does, and you check enough of the boxes, right? Um, You know, lending might be black and white, but we operate in the gray, and that's that's something that I've learned just by you know being in the business. Um, You might think like, oh yeah, this lender they don't do that, and then all of a sudden the deal's approved and funded doing that. You know, (laughs) like it's it's only after the fact, you know. Lenders test things, you know, they test certain industries or credit scores or geographies or all these different things. So you never really truly know um, some common pitfalls. Right. And and this is good for you to take back to, to your borrowers that you're working with. Um, you know, definitely make sure that you're the type of loan you're applying for or the lender that you're working with. It, it, it suits what you're borrowing the money for. Um, make sure that you have a full understanding of the terms. One of the things that I I really love about the way we sell our product is we take the time to go through the contract and and really understand what the deal is. Um, and we typically do that before even getting to the contract because we'll have multiple offers, right? And Steve does it more on the deal structuring side where he'll structure the deal prior to even getting to the the terms as well. Um, but it, it just makes sure that you know once once you have the deal in place there's no funny business you know once you once you kind of get to that point right and, and the last thing is is make sure that you have a true plan to pay this money back knowing how you're going to do that right um one of the worst things that you can do is say hey i'm gonna borrow two hundred i i'm gonna use two hundred thousand, but i'm gonna take fifty thousand so that i can make payments for me for, for three months till i yeah. can figure out how to how to make the rest of the payments like sounds like we got a default three months from now you right. know uh Piggybacking onto that, your exit strategy.
2: How, if you're taking a bridge loan, a one or two year bridge loan on real estate, or if you're, you're on an ABL loan and that that only has a two year term or one year draw period, what do you do after that? How, what's your plan? What's your next step? Um, really, the, the strong business owners have that in mind. They're going into to that application process with an understanding of what their next steps are and what their long-term vision is. Mm-hmm. And that debt is just a vehicle to help them achieve that long-term vision. Those are the best and most qualified borrowers typically.
0: Absolutely. I do know where we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. So I'm going to speed through these last few slides here. Um, we're already, I think over three o'clock. So shout out to the hundred, just about hundred people still on this thing. Um, but really quick, if you are somebody that you're not working with us and you wanted to understand, Hey, these guys are really cool. I want to refer them to my clients, right? Um, what does that mean? Well, you can just simply refer a name and a number. We handle everything from uh, packaging the deal to getting it approved to uh, getting the contracts out out and sign to getting the deals funded you simply sit back and and receive your commission right um the best way that i could put it is when you partner with rock you become the ceo uh, and you have this whole lending arm that you can now leverage um you tell us what to do and we'll make that happen for you um just to again kind of keep things going if you did enjoy it and you were new and you did want to sign up feel free to scan this qr code on your screen right now um and you know, it's pretty simple. I think, you know, it's probably four or five questions uh, Get you access to a uh, team member, be reaching out here in the in the next hour or so to you. Uh, But it'll also get you access to our partner portal where you can track all of your transactions. You can uh, leverage our training and marketing to help you generate and really uh, lock in on these types of opportunities. Uh, You get access to landing pages and all sorts of different uh, resources for you as a partner of ours. Um, So feel free to, to scan this QR code. Now, I do have an announcement to make to you guys. Um, This is actually an exclusive announcement that has not been made to anybody. I don't even know if Greg knows that this feature went live yet. Um, But we have recently made an update in that partner portal that I was just talking about to that landing page feature that I was just talking about. So shout out to our marketing team for rolling out not only a co-branded landing page experience, but now you can actually white label our landing page. And what that means is you can remove the rock branding from your landing page simply have your own branding it's very very easy you click on the the resources tab you go into the landing page settings um, and literally you can toggle back and forth and watch it change as many times as you'd like Uh, but that's uh, another wonderful feature for our partners who are looking to continue to build their brand um, but leverage our systems and process and and products Um, so I just wanted to make sure that we made that announcement on this call there will be uh, an email going out here shortly Um, but everybody that was on this call you guys now all have exclusive uh rights to go change your landing page over to uh to white label only if you if you'd like um i don't think there's many slides left uh we do typically get some some questions here that i wanted to share with you that you will probably get in your own experience, as you start to to leverage some of these, mm-hmm. so your your typical terms of a CRE deal, this is probably the most wide ranging answer in, in in all of funding, right? Um, some of these deals are going to be structured over twenty five, potentially thirty years. Some of these, like Steve was just talking about, uh, on a bridge, could be a year or two, right. right? So it, the typical terms of a CRE deal are going to be wide ranging. What are we doing? What do, what type of uh, type of commercial real estate product are we talking? about. And that's where you can start to check your borrower at the door, right? Know what they know about their own opportunity. Um, how long does it take to fund a line of credit? Greg, you touched a little bit on this, but I'm going to toss that one over to you. What's the answer? For sure. i as
1: quick as 24 hours. Love Sometimes even, even sooner. We work as quick as the borrowers do.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. And then what type of assets can be leveraged? I think this is probably a combined question.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, some typical assets, commercial real estate, equipment, uh, accounts, receivables, um, uh, inventory, those are going to be the most common. Uh, for certain fixed assets, you know, like um, FF&E, furniture, fixtures, and equipment can sometimes be leveraged depending on the business. That's really, those are the main asset categories that we're going to be able to focus on.
0: You know, Patrick, not to toot his horn too, too much. I know we would have loved to have had him on, on the uh, you know, on the the panel today, but he used to say it's the three R's, you know, revenue, real estate and receivables. You know, that's, that's pretty much uh, you know, where things go. Obviously there's equipment financing, which, you know, is a, a complete asset class of its own, but, even revenue is technically an asset in the business and Greg will tell you we will leverage the hell out of your revenue Absolutely. if need right. be um, so just keep that in mind again these are questions you're probably going to get asked working uh, you know working these types of deals also this is a free resource that we included in today's presentation it's our newest product matrix shout out to these two gentlemen to my left maybe you're right on the on the screen but shout uh, to marketing for making it very pretty yes and- but you, uh, on the eyes. you know this is this is every product that we offer guys all of the different documents that would be needed based on uh you know submission and approval for for this type of uh this type of funding um if you are trying to reach us feel free to call text email uh hit us up on social media uh it, it does not matter we're, we're totally totally available and want to want to answer your questions um and really really get down to it with you um that is the end of our presentation. We did go well over on the presentation. I- I've been kind of eyeing the the Q and A here, making sure we got some some things answered as we go. Uh, but if anybody has anything that we might have missed, please feel free uh, to drop some questions into the Q and A now, um, and we'll we'll get those answered before we uh, before we hop off here in just a couple minutes. Um, there was one I noticed before for Steve. Where'd you go? Oh, yes. When you were talking uh, receivable funding, Steve, you're talking about ABL yep. um, and how you can finance the difference between their, their receivables and the payables. Just touch on that one more time for us.
2: Right. So let's say, so, all right, so let's break it down. Right. So what receivables, right. So exactly what we talked about before, like the pizza example. Right. So, the, you know, you walk into a pizzeria, typically you're going to pay cash. The bar that the uh, the pizzeria hands you the box, the, the pizza box, you have your pizza, you walk out the door, see you later. Transaction yep. done with a receivable, they're handing you the pizza, you're walking out, and then 30, 60, 90 days, whatever your payment terms are with the pizzeria, that's when you repay them, all right. So, that's so that's a receivable that 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 value, if it's ten dollars, twenty dollars, whatever it is for the pizza. That value, that 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 becomes a receivable. That's a debt that's owed from the customer to the pizzeria, right? So they owe them $20. That's a receivable, right? A payable is the exact opposite. The pizzeria is buying from their, their vendors, their suppliers, flour, you know, with, with sugar, whatever it is that whatever materials or, or ingredients they're using to make the product, they're buying that from their vendor. But just like... The customer in this example doesn't pay for 30, 60, 90 days. They don't pay their vendor for 30, 60, 90 days. So the chain moves on down the line. It's called supply chain finance. It's another way to say this. Uh, so we're looking at the it's financing different aspects of the supply chain process. Okay. Um, so on the balance sheet, that pizza is going to have a certain value denominated for their receivables for all the customers that owe them money for that. Those, all those pizzas that they gave out that they're waiting to get paid on for 30, 60, 90 days. And in addition, in the liability section, so that's an asset class, by the way. Uh, in the liability section of their balance sheet, they'll have payables. So all the vendors that fronted them their ingredients, their sugar their flour whatever it is whatever pepperoni whatever i don't know whatever that's ingredients awesome. are going into that <laughs> into that pizza uh you know they have all not vendors that the vendors that they're all the <laughs> vendors that they owe to and they'll have 30 60 90 days to pay them and that's classified as a payable but when we're typically when we're structuring an abl line of credit we're going to take the total amount of their payables which should be less than their re- receivables by the way for most healthy businesses um, they're going to take the total amount of their payables. So let's say they owe a million dollars in payables and they have five million dollars in receivables. What's the difference? Deduct a million from five million. There's four million left. And that's what we're going to be able to leverage. So, so in this case, if we're going to leverage
0: it's 80, a lot of pizza,
2: right? 80% <laughs> as an advance, that's 3.6 million that we can extend them on a line of credit.
0: Shout out oh, to Rose's Pizza. Sense. No, <laughs> um, no uh, definitely a, a great explanation there. And, and, you know, I like that you use the term supply chain that that definitely helped me frame it in, in my own mind as well. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, guys, there are so many different types of financing. Um I went to to college for more years than I'd like to admit to get a bachelor's degree in finance and um, didn't know that any of this really existed coming out of college, which is kind of crazy that they could – give you this piece of paper that costs all that money and not really teach you very much. But that's another day for another conversation. Um, What I'm getting at is, is the only way to learn this is on the job, we had a little bit of a conversation earlier. And, you know, um, it, it kind of came up that like, you know, it's going to take you two, three years to to really learn what's going on. And the only thing that you're going to learn is that it's going to change the entire two, three years that you're in the business, right? So leverage us. Leverage our relationships. Leverage the knowledge of uh, of who we have on the team here. Um, I saw some people shouting out their, their partnership advisors or who they're working with. Um, that's awesome. Leverage those guys and their knowledge. Um, and you heard it here first. If they they don't know the answer, tell them to go ask somebody who does because we definitely have the answers for them. Uh, but no, definitely make sure that uh, you know that you're leveraging us and, and that we're a part of your team. Um, because that's what this is really all about i, I want to thank you all for for rocking out with us well over an hour um into things here and we look forward to certainly having you guys back next month um you know as we continue our our webinar series um thank you to everybody that made this thing possible and we will catch you guys next time thanks folks This has been a Rock Studios production.